We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 535 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ben Hilton. He's Domagoj Kostainshuk. And we've got a good show planned as Barca have a little midweek break, finally, but a huge matchup against Girona next weekend, coming off a huge win over Atletico Madrid on Sunday. So to kick things off, Domagoj, I'll give you the pick of the topic. We have a lot to talk about, which is a good thing, <laughs> as opposed to the international breaks. So we can talk about Xavi and his tactics and everything like that. We can talk about Lewandowski. We can talk about Cancelo and Balde. We can talk about Jao Felix. So where would you like to start? Uh, let's start with Lewandowski. Let's start with that. I think that's currently one of the... Well, everything's a bit hot, to, to be honest. Everything is, is still very, very much uh, you know in the thick of it. So I think wherever we start, it's, it's a good good starting point. So, but, but let's do Lewandowski first. All right. Well, I think with Lewandowski, we're also talking about Vitor Roque. Because with him arriving now in January... We're talking about, I, I believe it's the 27th or 28th, whenever everyone comes back from their little holiday break, he'll be arriving. So you're not talking four weeks from now, the 18-year-old striker who has left Athletic Paranense is now on his way. And now we're talking about those two in conjunction with one another. And I was, for those who listen to Five Headlines, I, not to force you to agree with me or anything like that, but I, maybe you can talk me off of what is you know my devout cliff here. I just think that at least this season, Vita Roque can come in, but because he just played a full Brazilian season, I just wanted people to kind of be calm about this because Robert Lewandowski is the striker, is the starter, is the number nine. The good thing now is that Vita Roque can get some time. So looking at Atletico Madrid, the question was not whether or not Robert Lewandowski is going to start that very same match in the spring. He's still going to start that game and going to play, what, 85% of all minutes up top. But with Vita Roque being able to play, and we could talk about what he's going to add and why he's different than Lewandowski and how he might even support Xavi's system. A lot of different ways to go with this. But what I do think is going to be the new question to answer is not if Lewandowski is going to start or Vita Roque is going to take his position, but for the spring, instead of Rafinha and Jao Felix coming off the field, now there's an opportunity for Lewandowski to come off in the 80th minute or the 85th minute when you're looking for an equalizer or the winner or whatever it is. So now you can actually rotate him as opposed to expecting him to play 90 minutes every time so that you have a reference point as your number nine because you don't want to lose that number nine. <laughs> I, love, I love how you're optimistic about Xavi actually rotating Lewandowski. That's <laughs> that's a big topic. In itself. I mean, so... 
you're saying that Xavi is not rotating because he doesn't have the options to rotate, right? Is that is that where you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, that would be a fair point, I guess. I think he maybe doesn't see Ferran as as the starting material, maybe, or maybe he doesn't see Felix as the false nine that we think maybe something that he could be. But yeah, I think on Roque, I, I would agree. This is an important question to address because many are still, you know, pondering what will happen with Lewandowski at the same time, trying to figure out how much of a boost for Barcelona actually get with Vitor Roque joining. And it's tricky, to be honest. He's an incredible footballer. There's no, there's no two, two ways about it. There's just so much about his profile that, that should get Barcelona very, very excited for this move, especially since, you know, it will happen in January, hopefully. And you have his goal scoring, you have his movement, you have ball striking, and you have that youth. You know, all of that makes for a very, very solid foundation for the future. But let's also not forget that this is a player who's yet, if I'm not wrong, he's yet to crack 30, 20 goals per season, right? He's he's not really reached that point yet. So let alone do it consistently year upon year. I think that's the big thing as well. And this is a new environment, a very stressful environment, different club, different country, different language. All of that will play a part. And and I think when we when you look at Roque and how well he translates to Barcelona, there's also this that mental aspect, right? The psycho the psychology of it all. And then there's the tactical and statistical part. So mentally, of course, the the, the adaptation period and all of that. But then tactically you have to look at the situation, I think that's the, the key here. Not how many goals he scores, but in which situations does he score those goals? And then you can actually look, does Barcelona replicate the, those situations well on the pitch? And how good are they at creating those situations in the first place? So I think it's kind of tricky because is that compatible with with how Roque operates? So statistically, though, if we say that Roque is currently, I don't know, a 10 to 15 goals a season player... Then you're kind of faced with with the question: Is that enough for a Barcelona number nine? Not just in, in in the first season, but you know, moving forward. Because okay, yeah, when he first arrives, the the first scenario would be the ideal 15 goals per season that season when he's still not adapt fully adapted to Barcelona. I think in that situation, what you have to look at is that number can only be enough if you can compensate from other sources, also other goal-scoring sources. The Barca have goal-scoring wingers, they have goal-scoring midfielders and all that. So can they create from other game states like set pieces and stuff like that? So all of that matters because if Roque is a 10 to 15 goal striker, I just feel Barca will need goals from somewhere else, right? But if they don't, if they don't have those goals from somewhere else, then you're faced with a situation where your, your striker that you're bringing in suddenly doesn't score as many goals as he's he's meant to be scoring. So in my mind, I would agree with you. I, I don't think that Roque comes in and then suddenly solves all of Barcelona's issues because he's not the marquee signing or marquee striker that we need, or at least not yet, right? So so I just don't think we should expect rather... We don't, don't think we should expect him to be that Lewandowski replacement just yet. But, you know... Uh, in an ideal situation, maybe he hits the ground running. Maybe he he you know his output just skyrockets and reaches that thirty goals per season that that, that you would need regularly. But then I, I just don't know. It, it just it seems such a, a such a big thing to ask, right? Today's podcast is not sponsored by anybody in particular, but with the holidays approaching, I actually figured it would be a good idea to have it be sponsored by me and the merch store, which I do not plug enough, of course. Through the link down in the description or show notes, you can get a shirt or a hoodie or a phone case or other goodies that directly support the podcast, as in directly support what we're doing here. 
You can either type in Teespring, the Barcelona podcast, into your search browser or go through the link below. I made a new link, so it's now tbpod.link backslash store. That's tbpod.link backslash store. And if you aren't in the market for any new swag, helping me out on Patreon, as some new friends have done recently, is the other way to directly support the podcast outside of subscribing and leaving a nice review on the podcast apps, which you can do for free. Thanks, everybody, for all the support. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about a few things, and I agree with you mm-hmm. on, on that point, too. I, I think that his transition period, for starters, into Xavi's system is going to be pretty seamless in what he's going to be asked to do. He is very similar in his understanding of, of, of spatial awareness in a, almost a Ferran Torres-type way, especially in the box. Yeah, Vita Roque is not going to create a lot on his own, but he crashes the, the box well. He reads those run to the near and the far post. And he also can, yeah, I, I mean, he has enough tactical ability to help out in buildup, but that's also not what you're asking him to do. You're asking him to kind of to press like crazy. Like the team that he played for wasn't great and they did have to do a lot of defending. And so what role is he going to play, I think, in the second half of this year? What are our expectations for him? Mine would be if he scores five goals from January to, to May, I'd be pretty happy about that. Like that's cool with me because he's going to be the sub coming off the bench and all that. And especially in the position tying this to Atletico Madrid, Lewandowski was completely gassed by around the 82nd minute. And before Pedri came out of that game, Pedri was also, I mean, just ran himself ragged, also pressing for Lewandowski. Some of the space that opened up was because Pedri stepped forward into the space that you'd expect a center forward to be pressing in. So I think if you insert Vita Roque and keep Rafinha on in that last game and put Vita Roque in for Lewandowski instead, I think Barcelona defensively keep their shape a lot better on the press and are able to keep Atletico Madrid at bay. We're talking, again, the last 9, 10, 11 minutes of that match. And I think that's what Vita Roque's job is going to be. Hey, you're 18, come in and hit the ground running. Because I do want to remind people, too, to your point about patience. I have no idea. Again, this is optimistic. He is so young that the last uh, number nine or the last center forward that Barcelona had that was a teenager was Boyan Kirkic, but he was not the starter, remember, either. He was the guy coming off the bench. And you had in front of him who was Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Messi and Terry Henry and, oh, Samuel Eto'o, right? <laughs> Another number nine. So Boyan Kirkic was the last like teenage number nine to come in off the bench. But prior to that was Brazilian Ronaldo. And he was 20 at the time, so two years older than Vita Roque, but he had also just come off a season of 20-plus goals at PSV when he was 19. So he'd already assimilated to what European competition was going to be like, even though it was a different league and all that. Anyway, like he was also very special and was able to hit the ground running. So even if Vita Roque is special, and Ronaldo, obviously, Brazilian Ronaldo at 20, was maybe the greatest 20-year-old in history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's how good 20-year-old Brazilian Ronaldo was, R9. So for the expectations of Vita Roque, to your point, if he hits 25 to 30 goals, that's possible. He's 18. But also, to your point, that's going to take two or three years. And what Barcelona needs right now, or what Kool-Aid is going to ask from him right now, is not the same as to what he can be two years from now and what that timeline looks at and those expectations. So I said, optimistically, I think all of that's possible. But I think that's my point about Lewandowski. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Now let's talk about just him. Because he, at the moment, is an overpaid 35-year-old. And I'm going to take a little more time to see comparable strikers. Where were the goal scoring at 35? And I know time has changed, technology and all that stuff. So guys are able to keep their level up, especially a guy like him who really takes care of himself. But this drop-off is real. We're not talking, the World Cup ended last January. We're talking 11 months with the alarm bells ringing on Lewandowski. And that is not just a flash in the pan thing. The only thing, as I've said, though, about Barcelona's future is that because of the levers and all that stuff, they have tied their future at least this season and possibly next season to Lewandowski scoring goals. Robert Lewandowski at 35-36 has got to score goals if Barcelona are going to win trophies. And that is just like, I don't know. Is that a sad reality we just have to face? Because again, I think the other option to our point is putting some of that pressure on Vitor Roque. And I don't think he deserves that pressure. Like that's not right for him. That pressure needs to be on Lewandowski. He knows that. You see his frustration. He knows he's thinking up the joint too. It's not like we're telling him anything. Like he knows that. I'm not, I'm not like the, the self-criticism is a real thing. <laughs> you know, he knows. And, and so he's got to start firing. And the only way to do that, as crazy as it sounds, is to have him play. He literally has to play through this. And then when it's time to sell him and he knows it's time to go, then Barcelona just have to do their business. Some, come the, Maybe come the summertime if he can't turn it around. But I mean, Lewandowski is six months to turn it around because he has to be the answer. It has to be him. Yes, I, I agree. It's not fair on Vitor Roque. Just he comes in and then suddenly he has to be better than Lewandowski. Although at this at this point, at the moment, that wouldn't be such a difficult task, right? But no, I mean, well, then, this is a very... about like about what Vitor Roque adds about those in those mm-hmm. those runs into the half spaces fits Xavi's yeah. system better than Lewandowski. So if we switch mm-hmm. them and Lewandowski was the 18-year-old, Vitor Roque was a 35-year-old, we'd be like, okay, great. Barcelona's regular number nine is doing exactly <laughs> what Xavi's system is requiring of him. But that, and, and I think that's going to be the big thing because Vitor Roque is going to look, I think he's going to look really natural and make a lot of sense in Xavi's system in a way that Lewandowski just doesn't do. And, and again, mm-hmm. that's like the dissonance there. So th- that's exactly actually why I, I, way back, I argued that Roque could actually be a left winger for Barcelona because something in the mold of Ferran Torres, like you mentioned, they are similar in some in some aspects. And I think if you cast your mind back, Ferran Torres was a really good left winger because he was that utility uh, part of the squad, right? He enabled others and he made those runs. He made those movements into the box. He was close to the box. He didn't have much contact with the ball, not always, but he was always in those positions to score and be in the box and make the run and create the space and this mark and all those things. And I think Roque would do 
really, really well in that position because that kind of alleviates the pressure. He's not meant to have so many touches. He's not meant to be the main goal scorer because he still has Lewandowski next to him, right? So that's why I thought, okay, maybe if you put him as a left winger, which is not really out of his comfort zone that much because he does play on the left sometimes, right? So I thought maybe that's a way to ease him in next to Lewandowski as opposed to being, okay, kid, you're on, Lewandowski's off, right? So maybe that's kind of a way to to tell him, okay, it's not all the pressure on you just now. So maybe that's something to explore. We'll see. It's it's a, it's a an idea out of the box maybe, but I think it could work. But back, back to Lewandowski himself, yeah, I think uh, the thing is there's still a huge gulf between the player Lewandowski needs to be and the player that he wants to be, I think. It feels like he's yet to accept the flaws that he has, uh, the, the flaws that come with age, that, that come with, I don't know, this drop in form. And we as fans are also very numbers-oriented, right? We need to see output to value players. That's kind of the thing at Barcelona as well. And Lewandowski's primary role is to score goals. And it, it stands to reason that, you know, at the end of the day, he will be judged by exactly that, right? So you can't really expect to miss several big chances in a huge game and not be criticized. And that goes for every forward that we have. Felix, Rafinha, Ferra, and all of those players are ultimately judged by the numbers that they produce, right? And the thing is, with with Lewandowski, he didn't even play a bad game against Atletico Madrid. I don't feel like it. I mean, he missed several big chances, which is enough to be be criticized. But at the same time, he wasn't that bad, right? But in in the case of other players like Felix, for example... He does much, much more than just score goals. I feel like there's value in him other than goals. So that's why there's not so much pressure on him to score. I mean, sure, there is pressure still because the fans will want that. The team needs that. So there is pressure. But Lewandowski, he's different. I mean, it's similar but kind of different because he is the difference maker. He is the main goal scorer. He's the man that you look up to when, when you need to score goals. And he needs to warrant all the service that he gets. So naturally, he's also the one most dependent output. So so our outlook on Lewandowski is mostly based on output and output alone. And then if he does nothing else and just scores goals, it's fine, right? But if he does nothing and then doesn't score goals either, well, that doesn't, that's really the problem there. I think it doesn't surprise me that people often don't see the, the good Lewandowski does do, even if he misses chances, because because he's not doing his primary role. That's, that's the big thing. Uh, I feel like is missing here. And it's not enough for him to, to do these good things because he's been doing good things against Atletico Madrid. He was doing the, the runs. He he this marked. He he did some good layoffs as well. He moved the ball well. Not, you know, not perfectly, but he did it quickly and and, and with precision in most, most cases. At least that's, if memory serves, serves me right. But he just needs to be the, the, the dominator in the box, right? He needs to dominate the box and be that killer in the middle of the pitch. So he can do as little as humanly possible possible elsewhere as long as his as that singular but crucial aspect is kind of satisfied, right? If he scores goals and does nothing else, it'll be fine. And besides, with Felix and Pedri and Frankie de Jong and Gundogan behind him, there should not be a need for him to do much else other than wait in that box, use the service and just enjoy his life. You know, it just just I think in my mind that's in a structure that's sound that kind of plays to their players' strings, he should not be needed elsewhere other than the box just and just the box. Yeah, I mean, I, I did say that I thought he was Barcelona's one player that I thought had a negative performance. But I also thought in that second half, now Atletico Madrid made three changes. They came out firing. They were ready to go. 
But Barcelona settled down in a way that I think in other matches under Xavi, they would have conceded in that instance. But I thought Lewandowski's pressing and energy was really essential to Barcelona kind of calming down there in that second half. And that was a, a positive and a compliment I gave to Lewandowski. But again, I think because as we say, things can be two things, then that means that I think Lewandowski still had a negative day because to your point, he missed chances and he should have at least put one or two more of those home. Rafinha also missed his chances. And for, for Jao Felix, so let, let's talk about Jao Felix a little bit. I wish at this point that he could sign one day contracts with every opponent that we're playing because it seems like he gets really, really good against the teams that he's formerly played for because he has something to prove. And then he doesn't prove anything against anybody else. Now, I, that's hyperbole. And I know that you are very much a Jao Felix stan. But let me take that one step further because he was good against Atletico Madrid. He took that one touch. And even, even the efforts that he wasn't getting off or, or they weren't entirely working, Jao Felix has talent. You, just, you see it. You see the high level that he can, especially when he has players around him in close association. And I've noticed, too, the last two matches that the distance between Gundogan and Pedri and Jao Felix has been really close together. And that's been really essential to kind of keeping everything compact and tight. And one of the differences that was made as well against Atletico Madrid was, you know, this is kind of the inverse of, of Jao Felix. It was Antoine Griezmann on the other side. The idea for Diego Simeone, I don't think he really game planned to try to stop Jao Felix picking up the ball and having this free roll in the middle. I think he was expecting him to be out on the left wing with Kinsella potentially left back, right back. That was a question for Diego Simeone to answer. But Pedri then started on the left and Goodwin on the right, which was different than Porto to kind of keep Pedri a little bit closer to Jao Felix and bring everybody inside. So Kinsella just had the left wing. You're on your own. Have fun there on the touchline. Jao Felix, Pedri, De Jong, with De Jong shading over to the left to also defend in behind when they went to a back three and De Jong was shifted over to the left side to defend for Kinsella when he got forward. So everything structurally made a lot of sense to me. And keeping Pedri closer to Jao Felix kind of brings the best out of both of them because now you have somebody close to associate and Gundogan doesn't have to be the one to come over to associate with Pedri. So now you're kind of, by being that narrow with Pedri and Gundogan, now you've got way too much space for De Jong to try to cover in behind when you don't have, as people have said very often, without Gabi, a natural ball winger who does kind of flourish in, we'll say, this freedom in this open role. When you give the other three, we'll say three freedom midfielders, if you will, with Gundogan, he's allowed to go where he wants. Pedri's allowed to go where he wants. De Jong's allowed to go where he wants. So without anybody kind of keeping everything stable the way you'd expect a pivot or a defensive midfielder to do, i.e. what Oro Romeo was signed to do, now you're kind of helter-skelter. And I think this setup really did support the lack of a ball winner in the midfield, which again, also supported Jao Felix coming with that free roll inside. I said all the easy parts because I'm going to throw you the hard part of this. And that is... Jao Felix has a good game against Atletico Madrid, and you stand for him pretty well. But there's a number. He is not a Barcelona player. He's definitely not going to be an Atletico Madrid player come next season. That is for certain after that celebration and all of what he said about Atletico Madrid. That is broken down. But is he going to be a Barcelona player? There's a number. There's a possibility. There's, a, there's whatever it is. I have said 25 mil, Cancelo. Yeah, get it done. There are other right backs like... Julian Araujo, Hector Ford coming up. Like, there are right backs I like. Balde, of course, as a left back. But having that fullback depth at the top level, Cancelo, he's been good enough. 25 mil, that makes sense to me with a fullback market if Man City are willing to do 25. Over maybe 35 or 45 for Ana Martinez, who just plays on the right side, who is a player I really, really like. And we mentioned Araujo and whatever. But Cancelo is a top level in his prime fullback, 25 mil. Jao Felix? What is your number? 
And I mean, it, it's you got to have a number, right? I, I mean, I'm giving you time to come up with that number, but even if it's not a number, what does he have to do? What is even the marker to say if if Atletico Madrid says, "Hey, 45 mil"? What does he have to prove to you, even numerically, with goals and assists and all that production and production to validate that transfer? Because I think that's the question. He can play well, but is he going to be worth that price tag? I still say no to that. Well, I yeah, you kind of nailed it there. I am a, a stan of Joao Felix at the moment. I think I feel like I'm one of the only ones, to be honest, at this point. And you are. I'm not I mean, calling you out. I'm not. I'm not calling you out. I'm saying like, <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Absolutely fine. That's fair enough. That's fair. It's fair enough because um, yeah, it, it depends on the price, and I don't really have a number in mind. I don't really. Uh, I mean, I've seen some numbers fall around the reports, but those seem silly to me, like 80 million. I, I don't think Atletico can even ask for that, can they? I mean, I don't think they have the, the cards in their hand to ask for something like that. And if they did, I mean, they, there's, there's no way they can get that much, at least for not for, from Barcelona. I think if we are in the range of 30 to 40 million, I think Barca can think about it, maybe if they have the finances to do that and think, the big thing with, with Joao Felix and why I stand him so much is not the output, right? So I mentioned how Lewandowski is only judged by the output because that's his primary role. When I watch Joao Felix, I don't really see a player that depends on output that much, or at all, to be honest. His output is not bad. It's, it's not where it should be because he's missed some, some big chances as well. He should have more goals than he has at the moment. But I just don't think that that's the primary role that he, he should be judged on. He, sure, he's a forward and, and he's been used in a more attacking role as opposed to a more cre- playmaking role, I guess. But but he just, to me, without him in our attack, we don't function as well because he just, he has such a large zone of influence. He just influences the whole left side of the pitch and he's the key to that left side dynamic as well. People look at Cancel and they, they see, okay, he's a left winger, right? But he's not, he's really not because he's the one that benefits from having Felix in front of him, right? He's the one that, that gets the space, that gets to, to run with the ball from deep because Felix is in front of him, because Felix dismarks him, because the Felix makes the, the, the movement in the box and drags the markers and occupies the markers because he has huge gravity. He may not be a difference maker in many people's eyes, but he has that gravity. He will have markers on his, on his back at all times. And he has the progression. He has the creativity and the ball striking. I just feel like there's so much that he can do. And I know it's all about consistency. It's all about what he can do, right? People keep saying he can do this, he can do that, but he doesn't really show it that much. But I just, when I watch this footage, I actually, I see value almost every single time. And you mentioned that he was good in that Atletico Madrid game, but not good in many other games. But I just, I feel like he's not had a bad game since he arrived, to be honest with you. And and maybe that's me just having my, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just too... Not sure what to call it. Maybe I'm just, just I just want him to succeed that much that maybe I'm overlooking some flaws. And I'm not saying they are not, not any flaws, but I just see too much value for for me just to judge him on, on on output only, right? I just don't don't want to do that. I just feel like that's a like this service to him because he does so much more than just score goals. And not that his output has been bad. I don't think he's been bad. I mean, he's he's got like eight. Eight goals and eight goals and assists together. I think something like that, which is not great, but it's still something in, in about a thousand minutes or something like that. So I feel like if the price is right, which would be around thirty million or forty million tops, I think Barca would do a good would make it a good business if they if they got him. So that's my 
controversial opinion, I think, at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think if you purchase Cancelo, even without a defensive midfielder, I, I just think even looking at the market, it's going to be something they're going to have to kick the can down the road about. I mean, I know Mascardo mm-hmm. is going to PSG, right? I think he's going to PSG as opposed to Chelsea. or and We just know with PSG and Chelsea in there, like that's a player that's out. But I've also said, I've gone on the record, I'll do it again, that with Bernal and Paul Palperin, like you just have to trust that that defensive midfielder of the future is going to come from the academy at some point. Like you really just have to bank on that. I mean, that Frankie de Young is basically going to play the position until then. And maybe if you can bring somebody who's 24 to 27 in for 15, 20 mil, and he hits the ground running a bit more than Oro Romeu does, you kind of, not say you try to band-aid that until you're, you create your future at that position, but you know, you, that's, that's a position you have to kick the can down the road about if you're not willing to spend 120 mil. Because again, Chelsea destroyed the market for defensive midfielders. Destroyed it. They bought what? I mean, I had a list and they bought seven of the 11 on that list or whatever for all players from 18 to 22 at that position. They did. I mean, right? Like I'm not, that's not hyperbole. Like they did. That's just like Lavia after Casado, like they just, and then Santos and Enzo, like they just, they kept going and they, they don't stop. Then they were in the, in the market for Mascardo too. So I, I count that almost whatever. So anyway, I, I think that's how that position has to be. And then the other positions were what? Fullback and I mean, left winger kind of because Ansu's hurt again. And Ansu, I would love for him to be the future. And I, I said it a few weeks back, got some flack and deserved it. That my worry is that even a year out that Ansu, even though he's got four years to go, his 25th year is not as high a level as Jao Felix's 25th year. So Barcelona might have to invest in the 25th year of Jao Felix's life as opposed to Ansu's. And, or you continue to wait on Ansu until he can get get right. But at, at left back, I mean, a left winger, that's even a position that Danny Rodriguez, even from the academy, plays on the right wing. And I don't know if he's a highest level guy. So like, you're not really talking about, unless you bring somebody in, your left wing position still doesn't have like some, we'll say blue chipper at that at that position. And I also think too, with Shao Felix, my referendum from him, not to push the can down the road on this either, but with Pedri back, Barcelona is clearly better with Pedri. And we can talk about De Young being back as well, being a huge part of them improving. But just in terms of everybody moving better and the ball moving better, the ball just moves so much quicker when Pedri's on the field. I, I mean, you can make the argument for De Young, but it does. It just, it does. And Xavi got it right by putting Kunde at right back against Atletico Madrid against that five at the back instead of Araujo. Because when you put Araujo at right back against a back five, the ball doesn't move fast enough because he doesn't make those overlapping runs. And he's not, he's, that's not what he's supposed to do. That's not his job. But with Kunde, who has a little more technical ability, can dribble a little bit more, comes inside. Well, I don't know if he can even dribble with the ball more, but you get the point. He can either pass, he can dribble, he can do both at a higher level than Araujo can make decisions quickly with his feet. That's what I'll say. So Kunde at right back just made a lot more sense against Atletico Madrid. Will it make sense against every team? Again, that's for Xavi to decide. He knows he's got a problem on his hands. But my point is, is everything works better with Pedri on the field. And I think Jao Felix's future does very much align with Pedri's health. If Pedri goes down for another two or three months, I don't think Jao Felix is going to be a Barcelona player come the future because I just don't think he's going to be able to give you enough on his own. But also what forward can without Pedri? Pedri is essential to the system. And I think we're kind of almost talking about talking about the wrong thing there. I, we did talk about Cancelo and Balde, but I didn't kind of give you room to, to go over this. I, it sounds to me like a lot of people are going crazy about Balde's future and kind of hitting alarm bells that don't need to be hit for a 20-year-old. 
I don't know. Is there some credence to this idea that if Cancelo was bought and that Xavi's now Gala 11 to have him at left back for Cancelo is going to derail the future of Balde in some astronomical way? Do you believe that? No, I don't think. This whole alarming situation seems a bit too much to me. I mean, there's so many teams that would that would just sell their souls to have a profile like Balde. I mean, and to be honest, Cancelo being ahead of Balde for a couple of games, I mean, even if it's a, for a longer period of time, right? It, I don't think that's, that's the scandal that the media are making it out to be. I mean, this is a 20-year-old kid whose profile is already elite in terms of his utility and the way he influences the game. That it, there's just no there's no room to panic just yet. He's he's I, I keep saying he's a giant killer in a big game when Barca are getting pressed into the oblivion in, in Europe, especially, and when they need a player other than De Jong, for example, to advance play across the, the half the pitch in high pressure situations, they will look to Balde, and I think Balde in big games still has a big, big, big say, especially as though against those teams that will that will just push Barcelona back, that will play on the on those physical attributes, on, on those long and traditional moments. I think Balde will have have his chance. Just that nature, that his athletic nature, his pace and power, his carrying capacity, that's already enough to be elite in my eyes. I mean, that, that I keep saying that. Even without the final product, Balde is someone I value very highly. And I don't think, and that's the controversial part as well, I just don't think Balde needs the final output to be a great player, right? To me, that output was always just a, a cherry on top, if you will, and not the defining trait of his profile. That's how I look at Balde, for example. But Barcelona have several options when it comes to his future, in my mind at least. Number one would be to kind of use him exclusively as, as a player... <sighs> in a role that kind of aligns with his profile. Just use him as a progression and transition and defensive tool rather than being this highly offensive, influential player in attack, right? Number two would be to still have him as an offensive tool, but, you know, if that ball striking doesn't really get coached or improved enough, which I, I don't believe believe is the case, I think every player of that caliber, of, of Baldi's potential and Baldi's all this talent can improve the ball striking, but that's just a bit of a, a theory there. But if if it doesn't improve, I think Barca can still change the way he functions in the final third. So, for example, if you shorten the way, the, uh, the distance that he has to uh, deliver the ball into the box, that could help. And, and if you instruct him to underlap instead of overlap, that could do the trick. I know that he's not that comfortable going to the right from the left side, but he can still do it. I think that he has the body and he has the mind to do it. And not only would that shorten the distance for his delivery, that it would also open the door for his carries to be more of an attacking tool because he would be able to carry the ball into the box as opposed to out wide on the flanks. So that would make his most powerful tool in his arsenal a more threatening aspect of his profile. He would be able to use it more threateningly and create more with that carry as opposed to just progress play from deep so i think that's a way to kind of change his role in the final third and still have him as a more attacking tool if chavi wants him to be like that the third choice which is the the dom special because i've um i'm not sure if you remember but I, way back i uh said about they could be converted to the to, to the right side of the pitch and people went from my head they were just just going crazy like oh you you just you, 
that would never work. That's no, not, I'm, that's no, not. I'm glad you're saying this because I got a hot take after this is going to burn your eyebrows off because because <laughs> yeah, I'm excited because I, I thought I was hoping you were going to say that because I'm going to uh, expound upon that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I just think that that is the way to kind of kickstart his development if you want to introduce him to different angles and he he has a body for it. He has, I think. A lot of it comes down to how he uses his body, right? He is he has the legs, he has the power, and he the angles on the right side of the pitch, I think, would open up a whole new world for him. And if you look at several other players, like I don't know, Bukayo Saka is a good example, or even Mohamed Salah was a left back when he first started off. And look at him now, right? So I think there is potential there to be exploited. And I've seen some footage from Balde from the youth categories when he was a right winger or a right back, I'm not sure. And he did well there. I think, I think it's not completely out of his realm there. I've not developed the idea fully, but I've, I've, I'm kind of tinkering with it. Right? I'm, I'm just kind of experimenting with it a little bit. But I feel like he has so much to offer on that side as well. well and just underlapping, like you were talking about, the underlapping going to his left mm-hmm. if you have a touchline winger. Like what we do know is that Balde at right back and then Rafinha is... Is, is a bit of the same thing. But in the future, we're talking two years down the road. I mean, even next year, Lamina Mall is fit for this system better than Rafinha. The long-term future of the right winger spot at Barcelona is Lamina Mall. And with Lamina Mall, there's no reason why Balde can't be in close association going to his left and be much more supported by Lamina Mall there out on the right, either on the, the touchline or coming inside in small spaces to, to try to make Balde comfortable while coming underlapping to his left, which again, kind of, as you mentioned, mitigate the difficulty he has in going to his right, because it's not even a matter of dribbling to his right, right? It's not like he doesn't have any right foot, but it's like you, it's difficult to make high level decisions once he gets the ball to his right foot because it's not natural. And, and that's really what we're talking about. These split second small combinations don't happen with his right foot when he has to go from his left to his right. And to your point, so one of my New Year's resolutions for the last, what, five, six years of doing the show was to have more hot takes. Francesca always pushed me on this. So I, I've been trying to have more hot takes and we're, we're trying to like soften it into 2024. My hot take for you this summer, for those who are already calling about, oh, is Balde going to get sold? Is he lost his spot? Would they loan him out? Whatever. This summer, I think it is more likely that Balde is converted to your point to a right back most of the time, or even splits his time 50-50 between the left and the right, that it is more likely for him to just be converted to a right back and stays at Barcelona Instead of, I think it's more likely that Kunde is sold and Balde plays more right back next season and Kunde is just straight off sold in the summertime. Because the thing is, Kunde is a professional and he is a high level player who's worth a lot of money and he's still 24 years old. Or, right? Yeah, he's 24. Yeah, I believe 23, 24 ish. So Kunde is entering even the prime of his career. And this right back situation is one heck of a problem that Xavi has on his hands. And I could very much see the club saying, I'm not saying that I would sell Kunde. I'm saying the club might say, Kunde, you're not very happy. And he goes, no, I'm not very happy. I want to be a center back here. And then they go, well, Christensen's on pretty reasonable wages and came on a free transfer and was willing to be a substitute. And Nego Martinez, we're phasing him out. Pau Gavarsky is pretty gosh darn good. And he's 17 and the future. And he's right footed. And Ronald Araujo is one of the top five defenders in all world football. And he's a right-footed, right, he's a right-footed center back. And so I could very much see Kunde being, we'll say the odd man out. Not now, because top-level talent, Kunde is still a better, just a better player 
we saw his ceiling more in the fall there. His ceiling is higher than Christensen's and, and, and Inigo Martinez. Not at left center back, because Inigo Martinez is the best left center back the Barca has because he's the only one who can play those diagonals with his left foot. And it just, it does. It's just simple. Like it opens up so much stuff. So until there's a left center back in who's brought in with that big left foot, he's that being Inigo Martinez, he just does more for Barcelona and opens up their, their attack much better from the left side. So that's my hot take about Koundé, that I think if you choose between Balde or Koundé at right back in the future, I think that the club is actually going to stick with Balde as, and then try to hope that Cancelo and then those other options. And then when you need to, you do have, again, Kubarsi, Inigo Martinez, and Christensen, that they can play center back. And when you play Real Madrid, Araujo plays right back. And that is your break glass in case of emergency for Araujo at right back against Vinicius Jr. And whenever you play a top level winger. So again, I'm not saying get rid of Koundé. Because again, I think if you can, if you have the ability to keep them all, but if somebody comes from the Premier League and, and Chelsea, maybe Chelsea has some money, right? <laughs> Chelsea calls you and says, hey, we'll give you 75, 80 mil for Jules Koundé this offseason. I think Barcelona feels that offer. And I think they, I think they say yes, depending on all the other business they want to get done. But now you're asking if you had to either, now I'll ask you this question. If it was either Koundé has to be sold or you can't afford Cancelo and Jao Felix, do you choose Jao Felix or Koundé next season if you had to choose between those two options? Oh, wow. Jao Felix or Koundé? No, no, Felix <sighs> and Cancelo. Those both or Koundé. Ah. Because if it's 70 mil, right? If it's 70 mil, that's that's the fee for both Cancelo and Jao Felix in this world for the 70 or 80 mil for Koundé. Because that's, so that's the choice you're making. Right. I think I sell Koundé. <laughs> I think I sell Koundé. <laughs> uh, I just think that Barca need... I just... I don't know. They just miss so much in that attack that I feel like if we, if we don't have anyone... So if we lose Jao Felix, right? He's not... He may not be that difference maker that we need, like the, the Leao level difference maker. He's not that, right? But if you don't have him, so if you lose him at the end of the season and Ansu Fati is Ansu Fati, we don't really know. So who do we have there? Who do we get there? Because we need someone, right? I, and I just, I just, unless you have Cancelo as the left winger and then you, you get Kunde and Baldi on the, right, on the right side of the pitch, right? So that would be an idea. But I don't know. I just I just feel like we need a left winger spot, and and Cancelo has kind of already, you know, he's he's Barca can afford him. Barca will be able to afford him, and they will they will pay. I think they will they will get him. So it's more like more about Felix, and he's he's the question mark here. But I think wages are also very high because uh, Mendes is their is their manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, is their yeah is their agent? So those are high numbers. So yeah, I was gonna say, or you play Rafinha on the left and you put Balde on the right wing. That's that's what you that's what you do. That's what you do because then. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I... <laughs> I think there's there's something in that though, to be honest. And I think Balde on the right would become eventually he would become a two way winger. He would just would because think about it. How would Balde? He's heavily left footed, right? You put him on the right side. Naturally, he will go towards the left, right? But but how does he dribble when he gets into one with one situation? He needs to exploit space, right? And where is the space? The space will be to his right, so he will naturally go towards the space, and he will kick the ball around the the, the defender, and he will just sprint past him. So naturally, he will dribble dribble more towards the right side than the left side because that's where the space is. So I think. With time, he will develop going both ways. And once that happens, he will just be, you know, that, that, that opens a whole new world for him. 
I think the way Barca play and the way they they kind of use the, the the right wingers, take Rafinha for example. I think if Balde gets into those situations where Rafinha gets like more inverted, closer to the box, I think that he would just he would have to improve the ball strike, of course. But he doesn't have to necessarily. I mean, it would be great, but he doesn't have to be the ball striking elite to be effective because he's the 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 disruptor, the the breaker, right? He just destroys that the back line he just makes chaos he he progresses the ball he breaks the back line and then he combines in closer proximity to, to his to his um teammates right he doesn't go wide necessarily and then have to hoof the ball in he can be closer and when he's closer he, it's much easier to make those passes and connections right it's, it's the whole thing i will i will i promise i will do a piece on that eventually and and and, and then i won't delete the tweet the next day i won't delete it um <laughs> i will be i'll be uh tough enough to sustain all the uh all the harassment and and just keep the tweet alive but yeah that's that's kind of a little sneak peek let's just put it yeah and put a bookmark in barca football <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the injury concerns we've talked about Nico Martinez, but again, I think Kunde is going to be playing a lot of center back in the next few weeks, even because Nico Martinez out for three to four weeks, and then Ter Stegen is now out for two months, is going to have that surgical procedure. So, uh, not to say that Inaki Pena isn't going to be a discussion point, but goalkeepers is not much to talk about, other than the fact that other clubs like Real Madrid, when they lost Courtois, I mean, he was out for the whole year, so they had to really find like a, a number one keeper for the year, but. Now out for two months, Ter Stegen, Inaki Pena is going to be the number one, and his backup now is an academy kid. It's it's Astralaga, is the I think the second in line. Then you have 17-year-olds in Diego Cochin, the American, and then Yurt uh, Vibili, butchered the name, but the Hungarian goalkeeper, Yakis Bizvili. Yeah, there we go. Got it right. Uh, so both 17, and then obviously Gabi is out for the year. Now, real quick preview on Girona here. A little bit of news. Alice Garcia, the midfielder for Girona, who has arguably been the best midfielder not named Jude Bellingham, unless you want to call him a forward, in La Liga this season. It has probably been him. And he said that he would like to play for Barcelona. And then Girona manager, Michel, came out and said, I don't like that he did that. He kind of messed up a little bit, you silly willy. Uh, He is 26. He'll still be 27 in June in the prime of his career. And if he's 25 to 35 mil, here's what I'll say. The midfielders that I'm high on, or let's say the box-to-box midfielders, are even a bit more attacking-minded in La Masia at the moment, in um, in Guy Fernandez in particular, who's just 15. So I I mean, a box-to-box midfielder in his prime, I know that there seem to be a lot of midfielders at Barcelona at the moment, but Gabi's out till at least maybe even next October, November, and you don't know what you're getting, and you don't know when you're getting back. And Gundogan is... Uh, as much as he's his last name that I'm terrible at saying, and I always apologize, he's going to be 33. And my knees hurt when it's cold. I keep saying it. Like, it's it gets harder. <laughs> it gets harder, man. And so I know it's nice weather in Barcelona, but, I mean, Godoan is, yeah, I mean, nearing his mid-30s. And Oro Romay, who's at the same age, not getting any younger. Pedri is often injured. So I, I think Barcelona would do very well for 25 mil for another midfielder who is Catalan, who wants to play for the club, yeah, and is willing to play. I mean, is willing to go. If if City Group, I mean, City Group have so many assets, and I know Girona wants him, but like, it's not up to Girona. That is like the two. That's a two-edged sword. If Man City doesn't want him, and Girona's like, well, we would love to keep him, but City Group is like, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll give you. Here's another midfielder. We'll just take another midfielder. Great job, Michelle. You did a wonderful job fighting for the league title, but 
you know, I mean, that's how business is done in the off season. Whenever the season one is kind of forgotten for those, for those mega multi-club conglomerates. And that's how it works. So, I mean, I would take Alice Garcia in a heartbeat if, if, his, if the number was 25 mil, I think there's, you know, obviously 50 mil or anything like that. Anything like above 35 is too much, but if he wants to come and city group is like, yeah, sure. 25 mil, whatever. And his wages are not outrageous either. So they would easily fit in. He would take, I think six and a half, seven, and maybe be one of your best players already. So I would take that in a heartbeat. I think I agree. I mean, it's difficult to say no. If the deal is right, you just have to say yes. And I think in any case, a midfielder will come. I just feel like it. I feel like Barca will go for a midfielder. Is is he the one that we should be going for? I mean, if we're just looking at the profile, purely the profile, probably not, right? But then, then again, as you said, if, if the price is right, you just you just can't say no. That's the thing with him. And then in the summer, I think you know we'll we'll have to get we'll have to get a number six, right? That's that's there's no there's no getting away from that. Someone will have to come in. If that does to be Mendy, although that's unlikely. It's not Moscardo either, because you know, as I said, he's gone as well. So I don't think what happens in the summer, but we sh- we will see more midfielders come to Barca. I feel like it. because that midfield. That's sort of a preview of my next piece as well. I, I I named it Barca's midfield is elite, but not yet complete. Right? It's, it, it even rhymes, <laughs> which wasn't wasn't the plan. <laughs> but I, but I think I think that's something that 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 will need to get addressed and will get addressed because you have so many big names and good names and quality players in there, but they don't really do. You don't have everything covered in that midfield, right? So so something will have to be done. Some additions will have will happen eventually, uh, inevitably. So I think. But yeah, to your point, if the deal is right for this kid, or I want to say kid because he's younger than me, but yeah, you just take it at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Barca will have so many expenses, so I don't know where we'll find the money, but which begs the question, is someone going to get sold as well? Um, it, will that be necessary to, to make those purchases? So I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it might, I be, it might also be, does Eric Garcia potentially take some of the price down? Does Pablo Torre decide, you know, does you want to say they want to keep him? Who knows? Pablo Torre will not be playing against Barcelona because of the clause that he can't play against his parent club, which I don't love. Like if, if Barcelona get there, like we saw Alice Callado play really well for Elche last year against Barca. So I, I don't know if, if Barcelona had a player and he winds up kicking them in the butt, like that is something I'm always willing to live with. I, 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 hate <laughs> I mean, you, you want your club, you want your players to be able to rise to the occasion against, against you. You know what I mean? Like it's just the way it is, but but also, I understand they want to kind of protect him from getting booed by Barcelona fans. Like, I get that. But Pablo Torre, with Angel Herrera injured right now, he may get some more minutes. So there is maybe, for those Pablo Torre stands out there, there may be a little bit of a light after the darkness. So in their last game, a come-from-behind victory over Valencia that I did sit down and watch for for preparation for Girona, Torre came on for Herrera after 13 minutes when Herrera got injured, but then was substituted himself in the 81st minute when Girona was still pushing for the winner. And I'm not too worried, though, about him not playing. Again, he's still 21, but he also been with Xavi before. And now even with Girona, who are at the top of the table, he's a midfielder that is good enough to play in the Liga, probably in the middle of the table. And like we already know that now. Like He'll be 22, or he might already have just turned 22. What are the two? He's there 21, 22. So now that he's like that age already, you know, Barcelona took a chance on him, bought him. But I mean, now that we already kind of know what he's going to be and you know how high he might be able to profile, he was cheap. You know, it made sense at the time. Um, so I'm just double checking his his age here. He's well, sorry, he's 20 years old. So we uh, that's still pretty young. He'll be 21. Yeah, I mean, I, now I'll walk it back a little bit. He's 20. He'll be 21 next year. 
But I, I think still like Barcelona have already decided what they're kind of going to do with him and what his future is going to be. And it's not probably going to be at Barcelona, but I still think he'll have enough time to kind of be good enough, straighten it out. And I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to wind up of what I saw racing Santander. He's not going to, he's not fit for the third division. He's going to be in the first division just somewhere. Bigger picture with Barcelona though, because Pablo Torre will just have to watch that from the stands. There were three big matches all in a row, Porto, Atletico Madrid, and Girona. And Barca is two thirds of the way there. A win over Girona brings Barca within one point of Girona. And if Real Betis could do Barca a big favor against Real Madrid, he would be within one of, Bar- of Madrid as well. But that, again, is wishful thinking at the moment. So let's assume that even like Barcelona has to beat Girona just to be within four points, which is still four points, right? That's just four points of Real Madrid. So, I mean, do you feel like even Porto and Atletico Madrid, that like a job by Xavi was done enough, like enough of a job, if they're not able to get three points off of Girona? I I don't think we can afford losing or, or not not getting the points anymore in La Liga. I just it, we've come to the point where four points, as you said, is not that much, you know. Right? It's the season is still long. We can still make up for that. It's not it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, it we need this, right? We need this. We we need to make a three out of three. I, I feel like. I mean, of course. I don't want to discredit Xavi. I mean, it, these last two games have been tough, but we've we've made it. We've we've gone through them and won them. So that's that. You know, hats off to Xavi. But I feel like we have to win the third one as well. I think I think it just has to happen. It's too good of a chance to to miss, and and it would just set us back not too much, but it will set us back uh, unnecessarily. So I will I will go and say that, that it needs to be a win. It just there's no two ways about it. No. Well, afterwards, it's where Antwerp after they've already qualified, and then it's Valencia, and then it's Ameria, then it's the break. Ameria is the worst team in the Liga by far. They've been a bit unlucky, but and Valencia have had good games and very bad games, and so Barcelona just has to be one of those very bad games. So Girona, you really are. like You're talking a month now. That is your last big test of December. And then, of course, if you lose points off any of the rest, it's kind of embarrassing. It's you know not a full abomination, <laughs> but it's... Yeah, I mean, if they lose points to Ameria, like, they're not winning La Liga. Like that's like that's going to be the, the the big thing after that, uh, unless they make some history. But yes, Girona, this is the last big one, pretty much for this whole month. And then you mm. worry about Spanish Super Cup and go for all the trophies you can come January uh, after after the break. Uh, but what I will say, having watched Girona, they have been very good. They move the ball very quickly. They understand where each other are. They um, this positional play to a really high level under Michelle. They're they're really enjoyable to watch. But what they do in every match is they allow chances. And their one loss this season against Real Madrid was because Real Madrid, early in that game, took their chances. And very much like Atletico Madrid, with Pedri and De Jong and Gundogan as your midfield, chances will come. They will come early. And if these forwards, I, it's so dumb because, right, you and I like to like talk about tactics and galaxy brain everything. But it's, if their forwards finish the chances, which you know they're going to create, Barcelona will win this match. With Pedri and, and De Jong and Gundogan as your midfield, that midfield trio is going to create chances. Forwards, you've got to finish them. If you finish them, especially early, the point, the three points against Girona, you can deliver them their second loss. But if it's the 45th minute and this match is 0-0 still, I mean, I, I think it, it heavily favors Girona in the second half because Girona have had, they just, there's something about the mentality as well this year. They have a way of winning games. They're winning games they shouldn't, they shouldn't as well. Like I watch them even against Valencia. They should not have won that match. Valencia did enough to win that match. And then here comes Christian Stuani, the ageless Stuani. And 
now all of a sudden Girona's on top 2-1 and they and they turn that game around. And that wasn't the first time I've seen that this season. They did, I believe, the same thing against Alaves in the game I watched there as well, where it was like 0-0. And then Girona should not have gotten points and they found a way through. And that's a credit to Girona and why they're at the top of the table. They've had a championship mentality this year. And so Barcelona are going to have to overcome them for what my worry is, a full 90 minutes, which they have not done this season. We have not seen a full 90. And against Girona, just like Real Madrid, you've got to get the full 90 or they're going to give you some business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you nailed it. They have that mentality. They play like a team who's you know going to be champions. They win games they shouldn't be winning. And that's how you win those championships because, you know, you just you can scrape through the games that you don't deserve to win, but then you know when you do play well, you still win, right? So it's a win-win situation for them. And I agree. I mean, if we can take our chances, but that's also that's been true for like every single game so far. We always create something, right? But it's just been that finishing that's been just not there, just non-existent. So I think if we take our chances, yeah, absolutely we can win this. And if we play the way that we've played in the last two games, well, Porto was kind of difficult, but the second half was much, much better. So second half against Porto and like most of the game against Telco Madrid up until like, what minute 60 or 70, I think that Barcelona can beat almost anyone in La Liga, right? <laughs> Maybe not in Europe, that, that's a different story, but in La Liga, we have enough quality to just to steamroll th- teams. Like, so win just purely on individual quality and our technical quality. I think we can win against anyone in La Liga. And we, we've we shown this. I think people say, okay, Atletico Madrid, they didn't play as well as they usually do or have been this season. But I think a lot of that goes to show you just Barca played well, not not Madrid played badly. Um, so I think if we play the same, if we if we do that, if we can replicate that compactness and, and playing through the midfield and keep playing to our strengths. I keep saying that, and this is also one of the controversial things that I said. I, I, I said Barca are, are a team that's built for technical excellence, but not coach for technical excellence, right? As long as we are coach for technical excellence or playing to the, those strengths of the team, we can beat anyone. So I think that's the key there. And it's so corny to say and cheesy to say Barca need the ball, Barca need control, but Barca have the players to play that style of play, right? And and once they do play to the strengths of their team, of the individual, the midfield, everyone else, I just we have a team there that can win. And and, and I'm conf- confident that we will do so as well. Well, speaking of excellence, excellent by you again. You can follow him down in the show notes below. Also, the Substack Barca Football. Uh, and all the different stuff he's got working on over there. And if you don't just like listening or watching, reading is reading is back in vogue. Reading is important, especially during the holidays when you're hanging out with your family. So do the deep dive, read all his stuff. Again, that's down in the show notes below or the description if you're watching on YouTube. Also at Barcelona Pod on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere you can find us. I already mentioned the Patreon in this show and the merch store. Thanks so much. Close Facebook group and all that other stuff as well as subscribing to YouTube or giving us a nice little rating on the podcast app. Most importantly though, Thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon on Barcelona Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.